Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Before we get to our guest, I just want to say that our mission at Cannabis Health Radio is to make a difference in the lives of others. But we can't do it alone. We need your help. We need your financial help. To assist us in continuing our work, go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a financial contribution today. Both Corey and I thank you. Traumatic brain injury is a major cause of death and disability worldwide, especially in children and young adults. It occurs when an external force injures the brain. There are a variety of signs and symptoms of a traumatic brain injury, including headache, dizziness, vomiting, fatigue, changes in sleep patterns, and many others. Our guest today experienced a traumatic brain injury in 2011 in what can only be described as a freak accident. Joining us from Denver, Colorado, to tell her story is Nikki Stang. Nikki, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here during Brain Injury Awareness Month, and I couldn't be happier to share my story with you guys. Take us back to 2011 and tell us how you sustained your injury. I was actually a teacher for high-risk youth at the time, and everybody had a field trip, but there were a couple students that were unable to get in their permission slips or their homework done. So I had everybody in the gym, and all my students were K-12 through at the time. And we were just playing a normal game of basketball, and there was a loose ball, and my student and I both leapt for the ball at the same time. Before I knew it, I was headbutted in the mouth, and I was kind of seeing stars a little bit there, and um, I was so concerned about my jaw because my mouth was kind of throbbing, and I could see a little blood, so I eventually went home and scheduled with the dentist because I wanted to make sure everything was okay. And when I got there, they mentioned that it's kind of impossible to see a fracture on an x-ray. Every once in a while picks it up, but you can't really tell. So they offered to do a root canal in order to try and revive the tooth. And they said, if I noticed any changes to come back and let them know. Well, Around October, I was out on vacation in Las Vegas, and I was looking in the mirror as I was getting ready, and I noticed my front tooth was starting to get a brown discoloration to it, and I immediately went back to them as soon as I returned to Denver. They went in and tried to zoom in, and they basically saw where we had to open up the tooth again because maybe the root canal had been infected. So they went in. And they zoomed in, and long behold, a fracture across my tooth popped up on the x-ray, as well as my jaw. Through that time, I started doing things like getting a, you know, the next step where they wanted to do an implant. So I had to go and get braces kind of set up and things like that. In the beginning of 2013, I was skiing, and I had a really bad skiing accident. I almost ripped off three ligaments off my knee. 
and I had to quit massage school at the time. And then February came around and I got one of my teeth pulled and we were getting ready to just start the Invisalign braces process. March 9th came up and I woke up that morning feeling weirder than anything I have ever experienced in my entire life. My head was throbbing and I felt like somebody had given me a million drugs at one time. Um, I was staying at my, well, now he's currently my ex, but I was staying at his studio apartment at the time. And I went to try and take a shower just to feel better because I thought, well, we were kind of drinking last night. Maybe I'm just a little hungover and I, I don't know, maybe something's going on. So he went to go get us sandwiches and I got out of the shower and I called him because I could not find my clothes and my clothes were always in the same spot in his closet the whole time. And so he, he got very nervous and he rushed back to come pick me up and he said, well, you know what? It's been a long time since you've eaten. Maybe you just really need food. So he rushed me over to the Whole Foods by my house and my parents' house actually and he was trying to find the soup in there. And I had normally gone in there about three times a week. And he goes, Nikki, where's the soup? And I couldn't tell him. I was like, I, I don't know. And I was walking kind of funny. I, I really couldn't be trusted by myself. Um, he grabbed me. He said, sit down, take a bite. And I took one bite. And then I started to lay down on the ground. I was like, I'm so tired. I just need to lay down. At that point, he knew something was seriously wrong, and he rushed me over to my parents' house, and they were questioning me a million things. Are you sure you didn't get roofied last night? Do you have this? Do you have that? They even thought possibly I could have things very obscure like TSS syndrome. They had never seen any behaviors like I was because I, I was just, I was borderline high, psychotic, um, hysterical, and it's nothing like my behavior to be anything like that. So they loaded me up to the hospital where I was rushed to the ICU. And I only was in the intake room for a second before they realized that it was something was wrong. So they rushed me back. And I remember someone looking over me going, okay, sunshine, we're, we're going to get this taken care of for you. I promise we're going to get it figured out. And I started singing like sunshine, sunshine. And I was playing almost notes with my fingers as I was uttering these obscure words, and I couldn't control it. I kept jerking my head from side to side, and my legs kept looking like they were running a marathon. And they asked me to stop, and no matter what I did, I could not stop, and I knew something was wrong. So they got me scans, and they took every drug test possible, and the doctor came in and spoke to my parents and said, I have never seen anything quite like this. And we tested her for everything. And the only ones we're waiting on is cocaine and weed. And neither one of these do those. <laughs> so they gave me a couple different drugs just to try and calm me down to get de decent enough scans. And I started to come out of it. I was almost a little better. They were just getting ready to dismiss me from the hospital. And I started to walk to the bathroom and my mom was helping me. And then all of a sudden my legs started giving out. I started like spinning and I, I couldn't get control of anything. So they rushed me back and they decided to admit me. And it wasn't until the next day that they transported me over. They thought, you know, maybe this is atypical seizures. Maybe we need to check this out. So 
after I was transported, I got hooked up to every machine to look at every brain, brain scan possible that they had at the time. It wasn't showing any type of symptoms of atypical seizures. Um, we, I kept banging my arms quite frequently, so they would have to keep moving the IVs over. And when I, we finally figured out when I was laying flat on my back, I would wake up and I, I would ask like, who am I? Where am I? It was like in the car wreck and I didn't recognize anybody around me. Um, by about the fifth day, they didn't have answers. The only thing he said is I've kind of seen something like this and they refer to it as circumlocation where if someone's kind of hit their head, then you know, they don't remember exactly how to talk or how to do anything, but they kind of go all the way around and then they finally get to know what they need to know. But Nikki, you have a background history with sexual abuse. And so we really need to think that you just need to see your therapist. And due to the brain injury, I absolutely freaked out. I, I knew something was wrong and I, I lost it, which is anger impulses is a very common thing if you have a traumatic brain injury. So I looked at him dead in the eye and I said, so you're telling me that when I was little, I took a dick so hard that this is why I'm like this. He was stunned. He didn't know what to do. So he just gave me Xanax and Seroquel and sent me on my way. So I went to my parents' house for about two weeks and I would wake up. It would take me two hours. I would not be able to move the left side of my body for at least a couple hours. Um, I wouldn't know my name. I wouldn't know my family. Because they had moved the IV in my body so many times, I really thought that my parents had kidnapped me. And that they were there trying to torture me. So I was trying to trick them. And when I eventually got up, I was trying to look for things like razors and stuff to escape. And we finally found a couple of methods that ended up being more helpful that could wake me up faster. You know, if my mom would sit next to me and she would say something like, do you know who I am? And I would wait and wait and wait. And my mom's name, I would never get it at first, but... I would say different things, like all of a sudden I called her Nook, which is something that her childhood friend called her when I was really in my toddler years, and I had never heard the term since. They would ask me the color of my car, and my color my car was red at the time, and I could not tell them that, but I could tell them the name of the mechanic that worked on it. I could tell them my license plate number, and I would see these images flash in my head almost like a photograph, and once the image popped up, I could describe it. And then after a while, I finally would remember who I was, and it would click. And I I was like, okay, I remember everything. So then one night, it had been a while with these braces, and I needed to get the trays in because my teeth were getting ready to move. And I was terrified because I never knew if I was going to wake up even the next day. So I put the tray in, and the next morning I woke up, and I knew who I was. And we didn't have to do two hours of questioning. We didn't have to do anything. And it started to come together that, okay, this is definitely from you getting hit in the mouth. This isn't from a ski accident. This isn't from drugs. This isn't from anything else. So, Nikki, if I, I, can, if I can just interrupt, it, it's, do, it yeah. strikes me as, as really unusual that you put the, I think they're pronounced Invisalign braces, the are clear braces. Yes. You put them on and all of a sudden everything becomes clear to you. That's astounding. It was a miracle. I I remember bawling that morning. I I was so happy that I 
could possibly get my life back. And, you know, there was an answer. I, this whole time we were just stabbing in the dark of what is going on. And, you know, the, the fear almost kind of dissipated at that point. Um, I'm wondering what the braces did to, to change you know, everything. I've talked to a couple different people and there, there are a couple things. One is through your brain, you have cerebral spinal fluid that is, you know, pumping up and down your spine and that flow, the cranial flow also still goes through the mouth. And I mean like above it, above the palatine bone kind of right there. And if that is off balance, then your flow is not working properly and it's not getting to all the places that it needs to. Mm -hmm. Um, Another theory that I've heard is that everything was clenched down in the back of my jaw at the TMJ joint. And because there's a lot of nerves that flow through there, it would get balled up. Um, And then another one is from the initial blow. There was such an impact and that created some sort of blockage within the joints of the cervical spine and, you know, kind of where the head comes together. And by putting, there are different theories kind of out there where, you know, if you have TMJ, you get the mouth guard in and it alleviates the jaw. So they were thinking maybe it's kind of like that with the flow as well. But I have yet to have someone give me an actual answer of how it, it exactly happened. Yeah, one of life's mysteries. Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> yeah, your story is interesting to me because when I was a kid, uh, I was a bat catcher, and we were just uh, playing on the street, actually, and uh, this kid uh, was up to bat. He swung it, and instead of stopping after you swing, he went all the way around, and the bat hit me in the mouth, and oh. my tooth started to, to discolor like yours, and I got a bit of a cap on it now. But uh, I didn't have, at least maybe maybe my ex-wives will <laughs> deny this, but I didn't have any <laughs> issues, uh, brain traumatic brain uh, issues like you did. But it sounds like your misaligned jaw caused all sorts of, I guess, um, chemical reactions and neurological reactions within your brain. Something wasn't functioning. Is that how you it's- see it? Yeah, it seemed as though it was something similar to that. And, um, you know, I think that's what's so unique about my story is you you get hit in the mouth and you don't think about TBI. You're so concerned about your pretty little smile or, you know, just the initial reaction of getting through that. Like, oh, it's all right. I, how much money do I have to spend to <laughs> put another tooth in and call it good? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And two years later, your whole life has changed, you know? Well, what's interesting, too, is that this wasn't sort of right away. It's almost like it, it came on over a period of time. So to connect that to being, doing, you know, having that headbutt probably was a bit of a stretch. It was. In the very beginning, it absolutely was. But the more that we started working into it and the more we started, I, I got an amazing acupuncturist, an amazing cranial sacral therapist that were experts in their field. And to go in and be able to tell them some of my symptoms and then be able to give me somewhat of a justification or a, you know what, let's just go into it and work on it. And there'd be times where I walked into those offices. I I remember one time I felt like Helen Keller, my eyesight 
had completely gone. My eyes closed and I lost any control of my nerves to open up my eyes. And then slowly my hearing started to go to communicate with people. I would talk and then I would use my finger to draw the word on the palm of their hand. We would rush me to one of these body workers, whoever would be willing to take time out of their personal life to fix my life. (laughs) And I would go in one with cranial sacral. They would kind of realign all the bones in the spine and she would, you know, get my flow working right. And the acupuncturist did a little bit of that bloodletting one time and had, you know, the needle points everywhere. And when he cut my ear, blood squirted out everywhere. And then I opened my eyes and I had my hearing restored and I was able to go on my merry way. So it it really did help having people that were willing to listen. And I think I was able to get eventually to a neuropsych and I was able to do some of the brain testing. And that is where, you know, the Western side did help some. Um, I feel like they are failing in some sense, just because some of the questions for my brain testing were literally from the 1930s. And I was in awe. I have a hard time understanding how in almost a century we have not developed any other better system to decide what kind of diagnosis they have. And I did challenge him a little bit and he said, well, you know, it's one of those things that just takes so long to prove a theory and trickle down to where people use it. And neurology is so much in its infancy that it's really hard to give you a lot of answers. And that's the most frustrating part because you can't prove it one way, but you can't really disprove it. (laughs) So you're stuck in the middle hoping that someone knows what's going on and thank God for the alternative medicine route because that was able to alleviate a lot of pains and aches and they would treat the body as a whole. And because of that, I was able to restore function that I think some people might not be able to restore, you know, if they don't look at it like that. This whole experience must have been absolutely terrifying. I can't imagine not being able to, you know, open my eyes at one point or to walk and not know what's causing it. What really made it more terrifying is the fact that by March I was in out of the hospital. By April, by some miracle of God, (laughs) I got pregnant. And so now not only was I dealing with fighting for my life, but I was dealing for fighting for my child's at that time. And not only would I have some of the normal hormonal swings and stuff like that, but I had every brain symptom on top of it. And so going through that experience, just, I, I don't know. I, I just decided that she was going to make it and I was going to make it and we were going to be healthy and we were going to figure it out. And One of the other things that I really had, which is amazing, is I did have friends through the medical marijuana field. They were so knowledgeable, and they were able to get me what I needed, and that would help with the pain. It was not an easy decision to sit there and decide to work with medical marijuana at the time when you're pregnant. But when you're also on the verge of you don't know whether you're going to live or die, and you're kind of in a corner, you start being willing to try other things. Mm Mm-hmm. And every time I tried quitting, I would be on the floor. I couldn't get up. The flow would get blocked. It would seem I, it always felt like my head was in a microwave and it just kept spinning and spinning until it was going to blow up all over. And the pain to get through that, we eventually decided it was putting so much more stress on the baby that there was going to be kind of other problems. And I talked to my OB and he goes, you know what? It works wonders for the brain. I'm not worried about the baby. Everything you're doing is 
working out fine. Mm-hmm. This is something that you have to do. So I did. What form of cannabis were you doing? Were you just smoking or tinctures or? Um, a little bit of everything. So I, I did do some of the smoking. I, um, did have someone kind of distilling the oil and making me different recipes based off of that. And she would give me these pills that I could just leave in my freezer and pop. And then also edibles that towards the end, we started kind of figuring out that maybe it was better to digest it for the baby. Um, smoking through the lungs, all that, maybe all the time wasn't as good. So I tried to balance it a little bit better and, um, it really worked out well. She's extremely healthy and smart and no issues and, uh, I'm alive. She's alive. So I, I really couldn't be more blessed to the different alternative treatments that I had and really what they did for me and, you know, for us. Nikki, how are you feeling today compared to, say, three years ago? Well, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> three years ago, I I really couldn't even talk on the phone at that time. Uh, I Some of that is almost a blur. You know, I remember some and some parts, just, just the amount of pain that I was constantly in and just the amount of symptoms that I would go through. I would wake up every day and it was literally just like a, a roller coaster. Okay, so which thing's going to give out today and who do I need to call to rescue me? (laughs) Today I'm actually very fully functioning. I just had my second child here recently. Um, and I can drive, I can do laundry and cook and take care of my kids and, you know, help run a household. And I run my website. I dedicated, finally I'm in a space to create a website with people with traumatic brain injury. It's called my traumatic brain injury.com. And there I've given my story and how alternative treatments have helped me because I know that there's other areas that they're still not giving resources and these people are just stuck. And I decided that I was going to heal and I was going to get this message out and I was going to help others. The TBI is the fourth leading cause of death. Every 23 seconds, someone in the United States suffers from a traumatic brain injury and yet not much is known about it. Nikki, would you say that cannabis uh, gave you your life back? Yes, it it absolutely gave me a huge quality of life. Um, it still is something that if I get extreme migraines, um, that I still use it, and it allows me to function. It, you know, I obviously don't drive or anything crazy like that, but with an extreme migraine that I get, I wouldn't drive like that anyways. So it, it really has given me a chance to be a a real human being in society again. And, you know, I'm forever indebted to what it has done for me. Nikki, on your website, which uh, I think it's a superb website, by the way, it's very nicely laid out and uh, it's great. Thank you. You have written about the five ways you're different after your brain injury. Can you talk about that? Well, I mean, there's really a lot of ways I'm different. I, you know, and I, I think they should definitely go there and look into it further, but, um, there's certain things that I, I love doing. I loved traveling all the time. I would just pick up and go. And now I have problems with barometric pressure changes and I have problems with evolution or the, um, elevation changes. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. That's been really a problem. You know, I, I really want to get even further from where I'm at. I noticed that I do get fatigued more. I I don't have the energy level that I used to. 
I still can get overstimulated. I don't think some of that stops necessarily. I just think you learn how to manage it better. And I would say migraines and headaches. I, w- I was never anybody that had to deal with anything like that. Um, but are they getting better over your use uh, with your use of cannabis? Yes. Yes, everything has gotten better with time. Yeah. I, I've never, you know, I've always been into sports and I've always been into stuff like that. So you break a bone and it heals and you get back on the field. You know, this is, when your brain is broken, it's not like it just gets better right away. It takes years and years. And I talk to many survivors who go through all those same things. It's not something that heals overnight. Yeah, we did an interview with Debbie Wilson, who had two traumatic brain injuries, and she had to learn to speak again, walk again, write. And uh, like you, she's an excellent writer. She's very uh, eloquent. It's it's a process that takes time uh, to heal, to make yourself better again. Nikki, what does a traumatic brain injury do to relationships? I think it absolutely eventually kind of slaughters them. <laughs> um just because, A, there's not a lot of information about how people are with TBI. And I remember just being so not confident with myself. And I don't, I didn't know how to relate to people. I could get angry at times. When your brain becomes overstimulated, I, I would turn into this T-Rex. <laughs> I was just ready to take on life. And Uh, I mean, cannabis really aided in that. That is another tip that I, you know, did not include in my blog. But anytime I was extremely overstimulated, going in the laundry room, turning the lights off, sitting down and, you know, being able to pop a pill or smoke or whatever really just helped calm down the brain. But everybody starts moving on with their lives. And, you know, it's taken you a year to just learn how to start functioning in society. And natural things pull them away. You know, they get married, they have kids, they have stuff going on. And it's hard to be around someone who keeps repeating themselves or can go off on you at any minute. And it's really hard to keep those relationships with people because you're just, you're not yourself. And walking around with an invisible disease is heartbreaking. I have never, I've always been the top of my class I have always been able to be very smart and sharp and on it and to not remember your name or to be talking about experiences that I can't relate to. It was, it was very sad and you feel kind of worthless in those moments. You, you definitely do. Everybody. And you are that of a child. (laughs) You know, Nikki, just a footnote uh, or a little bit of info re uh, mothers using cannabis, uh, there was actually a study saying that the children born to mothers who used cannabis were superior uh, in that they were better organized and uh, slept better uh, without waking, and they were less prone to stress-related anxiety. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought so. Well, you got a couple of smart kids now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> They're going to love cleaning, so that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's great. Are you on any medications at the moment? No. Throughout the whole process, um, in the very beginning, they tried to, you know, give me Xanax and Seroquel, and I think I took the two of those Xanax when I went out. But it just it didn't help me at all. It was awful. Um, 
So when they would get really bad, I had to be on something called Fioraset just because it couldn't affect the baby. And I stayed on that a little bit through the period when I started breastfeeding her because I breastfed her for a year. And then I got off of medication and I really haven't been on anything ever since really. Nikki, when you talk to other folks who have had traumatic brain injuries, are they receptive to the use of cannabis? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, um, there's a high amount that are. Mm -hmm. There's some that I don't, I think it is based on availability too. You know, if there's, if you've never been exposed to it or you've never been able to use it and it's illegal where you're at, you're not going to just go roaming the streets trying to find medical (laughs) marijuana. Yeah. Um, I definitely have a few that I've connected with and they have seen really good results. Um, I've heard of stories too, where they've almost had it just kind of injected into them and they've done excellent. So I, I think just because of how the body has its own cannabinoid system and how medical marijuana can really aid and assist that, um, the best I can describe it when I use it, let's say I'm being overstimulated or at that time when my brain was really bad, it almost felt like I would get really irritable, really angry, and I would start shutting down. I would refer to it as crashing because within milliseconds I could be on the ground and I can't get up. Then all of a sudden I would be able to smoke and it felt like the right side of my brain could connect with the left side and the parts where it felt like it was getting cut off and pounding. It almost felt as if the synapses were connecting with each other. It's like the brain could all of a sudden function and now I could get up and now I could do the few things around the house I needed to like build a nursery or get ready to go to my next appointment where if I didn't take it and, and especially during the pregnancy, I wasn't even allowed to really travel five miles without my head feeling like it was going to explode. But if I smoked, I was able to make it there and it really allowed me to heal. It was my tool, you know? Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. Nikki, do you want to say anything in conclusion about your situation or something to other traumatic brain injured individuals? I would definitely say be your own advocate. I was turned down from three neurologists and they would all tell me the same thing. But the fact that I knew what was wrong with me and I kept fighting, if you feel like you have a symptom and you know, you know it, then don't give up on it because you can find an expert and you can find somebody out there that will listen. You just have to keep trying and just don't give up. It it will rock your world, but if you make it back, then you have a chance to rock everyone else's world back. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Mickey, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and happy Brain Injury Awareness Month. Nikki, this was uh, amazing. Very powerful story. Thank you for your time. Thanks. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com.
Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at The Talking Hedge podcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.